0: Welcome to Adoption Hacks. I'm your host, Candace Laycock. This week, I'm so excited to share with you an interview that I did with James and Kaylee Wilson, who adopted their little girl, Wella, from Ghana. They planned on being in country for six weeks, and that extended into a year and a half. So you're going to hear about that journey, about being in country, um, their heart for HIV adoption, and how they did their adoption completely debt-free and started a coffee business during it. This story is so incredible, and their perspectives are so powerful. I can't wait for you to hear this interview.
1: Welcome, James and Kaylee, to Adoption Hacks. I'm so happy to be interviewing you guys today.
2: Yay! We're happy to be here. We're so honored to be on your show. Thanks for having us.
1: So tell us a little bit about yourselves, and what brought you to adoption?
2: Uh, Well, I always wanted to adopt. Ever since I was a little girl, I just always had it on my heart to Uh, adopt a little girl from Africa, and I met James, and we started dating, and he wasn't exactly on board for it, he'd never really thought about it, and he was like, "Eh, I don't really feel like, (laughs) I'm sharing this part of the story for you.
3: (laughs) Right, I, I, you know, we came to the point where we were talking about adoption, and she talked about it a lot, and I had to say, you know, I don't, I don't really know if that's for me, but, I mean, I know it's something you want to do, so... And
2: I I said, I know that we're meant to get married someday, and I know that I'm meant to adopt, so God will change your heart. And I said, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm open to it. (laughs) Yeah, so a few years go by, you know, I'm still sharing all adoption stories with him. Um, About four years ago, we went through a miscarriage, um, so that was kind of hard, but that um, actually caused us to move down to Southern California and make some connections here, and uh, we went, um, well, we were at our... New church, and there was someone on stage talking. Second week there, yeah, Yeah, talking about some orphans in Kenya and the school that they were building, and that really was kind of the final.
3: uh, It's like a heartbreaking moment for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was. We got out to the car, and I was crying, and I was like, "I can't! I can't believe that I've had such a hard heart towards this subject." Like, Hmm. for me personally, it was this moment where. I was, you know, prescribing to be Christ-like, I call myself a Christian, yet for so long I had told myself and, you know, my wife that the adoption is not something I can do, even though Christ adopted me, or so mm-hmm. I purport to believe, so if, if I'm trying to be Christ-like, why, why should I say no to something that he said yes to mm-hmm. vehemently?
1: Wow.
2: Yeah, so that was kind of like our – so he's like, I, I want to, like, put down roots in Africa. I want to adopt ten kids. And I was like, ho, 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 you know, hold on
3: there. Pump the brakes, baby. All
2: right. <laughs> okay, that's more than I prayed for. No.
1: but Yeah, when you got on board, James, you really got on board. <laughs> yes, he did. And so – I got
2: on board, then I left overboard and got on
3: board.
2: <laughs> yeah, and so then about uh, a year after that kind of encounter, like, we knew we weren't, like, quite ready – um, we were getting settled with our lives and getting jobs and stuff like that. And uh, anyways, we had the opportunity to go on our first trip to Kenya in uh, 2016. And when we came back, that is when we felt like God wanted us to start the adoption process. So we contacted an adoption agency and, and yeah. <laughs>
3: okay. And so well, we just blazed our way through the process super quick. Yeah. Well, the, the pre-process, not the actual like adoption, but like the...
2: Well, we actually saw Wella's picture. Oh, really? And and we had done nothing to prepare for the adoption. We hadn't even started the process. We just saw her picture, and it was like, you know, okay, I think I think think that's our daughter. Yeah, I think that's (laughs) our daughter. (laughs) Wow. We better get a home study done, and, like, what do we do? And anyways, we went through it super fast.
3: So Little Miss List over here.
2: Well, I... Well... I mean, I never did lists before the adoption, but...
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, adoption paperwork kind of so, requires you to, <laughs> to oh make some man. lists.
2: Was, yeah, and we were trying to go through it so quick, so we had to, you know... What was the total time it took to get through the preliminary I stuff? I think we went through... the classes and the books and the... Everything within, like, less than a month almost. Yeah. Wow. And so then they matched us with her, and um, that we started the process, like, in July, and then in November... We got on a plane. Wow, to go over there—that's
1: uh, very fast. Did you already know that you wanted to go with Ghana, or did you just were you open to other stuff, and you just saw her picture and you?
2: Well, um, so we knew God was calling us to Africa. Okay. Um, and w- this adoption agency that we heard about through our church—they had a Ghana program, okay. and that was the, one of the only—that was like the only African country that they did, and so. Like, I had always kind of wanted to adopt from Uganda, but they it was closed at the time. So, um, anyways, it was just kind of like, okay, Ghana it is.
1: <laughs> okay, gotcha. Yeah. And then you guys did something so cool, which is you went through this whole process uh, wanting to do it debt-free. So, how did that go? Like, do you, are you Dave Ramsey fanatics, or did that happen because of the adoption?
2: Um, okay, so we had... We took Financial Peace University, which is Dave Ramsey's class, uh, the year before we started the adoption. Okay. And we became debt-free the same month that we saw Wella's picture.
0: Oh, my goodness. And
2: we actually had the option to pay the last uh, $500 on our car payment and be totally debt-free or pay $500 to enter – into the Ghana program and fill out the application and everything. Mm. And I said, you know what? We said we we're going to be debt free in a year. God wants us to do this option debt free. We have to pay- do the car payment. We just have to, I know it sounds terrible, but like, it's like, it's just what we need to do. And so we're like, okay, yes, we cannot start the adoption until we're hundred percent debt free. So we did it. We paid off the car. And then that month we miraculously had an extra $500. So we were able to um, do the Ghana program too and start that the same month. Okay, so awesome. yeah, and then and then we did like fundraiser yard sales. I mean, all of our money that we've been pouring towards debt, that just started going towards the adoption. Mm-hmm. So, and we were kind of like <laughs> before we were doing the adoption, we're like, oh, we're gonna have money once we're <laughs> debt free, and then it's like, nope, never yep. mind. You know, and we told God, we're like, okay, we have our thousand dollars in our emergency fund, and that's it. And this adoption is going to cost you know thirty thousand. Mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, like, this is going to be fun to watch you come through for us. Mm-hmm. And uh he did. I mean, the whole process, I mean, we pretty much had nothing to begin with. So.
1: Hmm. uh, Wella has HIV, correct?
2: Well, she, we thought that she did. Okay. And so she actually doesn't.
0: Wow. Okay.
2: Yeah. So, um. Which we found out after about a year of living with her,
0: yeah.
1: I wow. think. But was that something that you guys were drawn to or looking for, or was that just a... She just happened to have that?
2: We felt like God really put that on our heart, that we okay. were supposed to adopt an HIV positive child, and we
3: were... So the list, the, the waiting list that we were initially looking at, um, that we saw her picture on, was a special needs children waiting list. And we are told that um, young children don't typically show up on that waiting list. It's typically uh, sibling groups or older, older kids and since,
2: kind of that no one really wants. Right. That's why they're on this waiting list. All the other kids, the cute babies, they get matched right away, and they don't go
3: to a waiting list. Mm-hmm. Since HIV is considered a special need, yeah. So that's why she was on there. Okay. I was just going to say it's interesting because although she is HIV negative, she was still considered as special needs in uh, that that region, especially that country that because, of the, because of the stigma surrounding HIV and the fact that her first mom tested positive was enough to put her as special needs because the community would ostracize anyone that came from that. Because wow. they're seen as first. Yeah.
1: Even though she is negative. That's really right, right. interesting. My goodness. So I think that people are becoming more educated about HIV. um, But can you just, just in case, um, you know, someone out there doesn't know, can you just kind of educate us about HIV and the stigmas and um, and what the reality is?
3: Yeah, for sure. So first of all, the stigma kills more than the actual ailment does itself and and to put some context to that you have these poor people living in these rural communities that still practice traditionalism you know worship the god of the river the god of the tree, the god you know Mm -hmm. they claim all these gods and you have these people that are becoming seen as cursed in the community they know that they will be perceived as cursed if they come out with their status a lot of these people are living in small areas together, so if they're seen taking medication, it'll be known that they're taking medication constantly. So they're obviously there's something wrong with them. So what's wrong with them? Let's figure it out. It must be HIV. So they're not gonna take their medication.
2: So what I what I would start it out as HIV is easier to manage than a peanut allergy. I mean, even with a peanut allergy you're making sure like your kid doesn't touch any peanuts and you know Mm -hmm. i mean that could be a life or death with hiv you take your pills twice a day and what it does is it essentially i mean it's it's it lowers the level so much that you can become what is called undetectable which means that the virus is still there but it's like sleeping Mm. and you cannot transmit it to anyone i mean there's zero percent risk of transmission according to the technically 0.01 C- percent
3: <laughs> yeah and
2: so like um, as long as you're on the medication and you start it when you're like a child like you're you know young enough um, you're not you're not gonna pass it to your spouse someday you're not gonna pass it to your kids you're not gonna it's you are living
3: a normal life. I mean, There have even been instances where children have gotten onto the medication so early, and it has been regulated so well in their system, that they get to a point where they don't need to take the medication anymore because it doesn't exist in their body anymore at all.
1: Yeah. Wow, I did not realize that.
3: Yeah. yeah. Huh. So that, yeah, that can
2: happen. And so... I mean, we we were afraid at first. We were like, uh, what? Like, Mm -hmm. this sounds scary. There is such a bad stigma. But we just talked to a couple other families. We started doing our own research on it. And we were like, wait a second. This is, like, the medication has come so far even in, like, the past five years. And that's why a lot of people don't even know how far it's come because it still is, like, really
3: recent. And then no one's really talking about it. And it's not really super easy to find. I mean, we had to dig deep for research on HIV and children. Yeah, you know, hmm. you search HIV management, and you get a lot of adult communities that are talking about how to live with what they have. You know, you don't get mm-hmm. a lot of you know facts about kids, children.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, So it was it was a really interesting uh, learning experience, and we actually have a whole uh, YouTube video on it where we list list some facts and uh talk about it some more and stuff but yeah it's it's crazy it's so easy to manage I mean and like this like like you don't even have to pay for the medication like there's special insurance for it and everything and it's Hmm. just you know take your medicine twice a day and you're just like any other average kid
1: yeah it's just really like a non-issue
2: it really is and when they like it I mean the medication is so amazing that when they draw out a whole vial of blood like you know how much blood like a vial is Mm -hmm. it's not even detectable in that vial like there it's you can't even see it like it's so minuscule so Hmm. yeah it's amazing okay it's amazing
1: okay well thanks for explaining that so when you flew to Ghana how long did you think you were going to be there
2: six
3: weeks yeah, okay.
2: six weeks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, and it was kind of, we knew she had been really sick. She got malaria three times in a row. It spread to her lungs. She got pneumonia. Mm. She wasn't eating. So she got severely malnourished. Um, so they really didn't think she was going to live. And <laughs> so we, it was just like, okay, I need to stay there. James was going to keep working in California, and I was going to live there for six weeks. Okay, So we both... Went and arrived together at the same time, and then James stayed for two weeks and then he left. Okay. So, yeah, for two weeks we were there together, and then I was there for another six months by myself, and then James was able to come back and he was there with me for another 13 months.
0: Okay. So, what happened? What made it go from six weeks to a year and a half?
2: Yeah, a great question. I'm still asking myself that question. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> Yeah, so mainly what happened was they changed all of their adoption laws. They switched over to become a Hague country, which is, like, just um, higher levels of security and paperwork and just, like, a more... Um, what's the word? A more...
1: Accredited. Uh, accredited? Uh,
2: yeah. thank you. Yeah, it's a more accredited process and just... So um, we were in under the old law. All our paperwork was in the old law, and oh. they said we were grandfathered in, mm-hmm. and then... But no one knew. Anyways, it just became this huge mess, essentially. And they got a new president. They got new ministers in. And then the new ministers are saying, well, I want to sign every single document. And it's like, well, that's unrealistic. We're going to be here for <laughs> 10 years. like." So it was just kind of, we just got stuck in it. And, mm-hmm. I mean, everything was kind of on hold. And they were like, we don't even know if we're going to push any of these through. It was, like, really up in the air. It was... Um, pretty scary to have to live kind of like, okay, are we actually going home someday? Cause mm-hmm. we would never leave her. So it's like, am I gonna like live in Ghana the rest of my life? Like what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it was really, it was really hard. And, uh, yeah. yeah, so that's why, that's why we got stuck there for so long.
1: Okay. And it, it was a year and a half total. You were there, right?
2: Yeah. Yep. 19 months, 590, 590 days. days. <laughs>
1: Not that we are counting or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Did you stay in the children's home she was at, or how did that work?
2: No, we wanted to take her out of that environment, like, as quickly as possible. So she came... We were living, though, um, at the orphanage director's um, in his house. He kind of had, like, a guest house in his backyard. So we stayed there for the first 10 months, and and she lived with us the whole time, which was amazing. I mean, otherwise... I mean, yeah, that... And, and that was what we envisioned is like she's going to, and we kind of had to fight for that a little bit. They didn't really want her to come live with us. Mm-hmm. They wanted to keep control. Um, mm-hmm. But we saw some things that we were able to kind of use and, you know, be like, you know what? No, this is our child. Now she's going to come live with us. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was a really special bonding time mm-hmm. of, uh, mainly for me and her, six months, just the two of us. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and it was, it was really hard because I didn't have uh, really anyone to talk to. I mean, I was like the only white lady, one of the only white ladies in the village. And you're a so, like, first-time
1: no, parent?
2: First-time parent, no running water, like, you know, just like wow. you know, hardly any electricity. I'd go eight days without Internet, so I couldn't even talk to James or anybody. Wow. Um, so it was it was really scary it, well we say it was beautifully traumatic um, <laughs> and uh, there are a lot of things that happened during that time
0: that were really hard but worth it of
2: course um, but you know it still happened and so mm-hmm. um, and upon arriving home I went and I got professional help and I talked to a trauma therapist and that really mm-hmm. helped me and I did that for 12 weeks and I'm fine now and I'm able to have this conversation with you <laughs>
1: okay yeah, yeah that's intense yeah. Uh, yeah I'm gonna name this episode beautifully traumatic <laughs>
2: please do please do <laughs>
1: that should be the name of your book I won't steal it from you <laughs> <laughs> well this story is like unbelievable you guys <laughs> well
2: thank you I still kinda can't really did believe did you actually do it
3: oh yeah there she is right there yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: I know, I look at her some days and I'm just like... I mean, because it feels, like, normal. Like, it just feels like we've been with her forever. Mm -hmm. But then every once in a while, you know, you have those moments and you're like, did we really do that? Is she really here? Like, oh my gosh, yeah. She really is. And it's so surreal to, like, meet your kid for the first time when you've seen pictures, been praying for them, you've been, like, imagining the moment when you meet them, and then you finally do. It's just, it's so surreal. Mm -hmm. It's so insane, like... Mm -hmm. It's amazing, yeah.
1: Was there a time when you were like, I can't do this, this is too hard, this is too much? Or were you just like, you know, <laughs> you, you gotta do it?
2: Yeah, there were... there. I want to say every day <laughs> was like that, or at least it was tempting to be like that. And, and right after James left and came back to California, I um, definitely was like, oh my gosh, I... I'm not strong enough for this. Like, what am I, like, I, and I'm not even, like, an independent person. I don't like doing things by myself, let alone living in this, you know, third world country with, you know, it was just, it was crazy, and, um, but I just prayed. I read the Bible five hours a day, because, I mean, I didn't have anything else to do, and, I just learned, like, I just need to surrender every day. And so I just, like, practiced, like, every day. Cause mornings were the hardest, cause you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, I have a whole day that I have to survive. Yeah. And, uh, but
3: yeah, I mean, yeah. God just got us through. And it's just tough cause there's a lot of waiting and then rushing. You know, you, yeah. you wait for a long period of time for a phone call and you get the phone call yeah. and all of a sudden it's like, I got to be at the embassy in a half hour and I'm <laughs> wow. an hour away.
2: And any adoptive parent or foster parent knows that. It's like, you're like, not doing anything. Nothing's happening. And sweet, then, bam, sweet, sweet, we need sweet. to do all this right now and we need it in five minutes. Like, yeah. ah! you know, so it's like that kind of, um, you know, panic. But most yeah. of like, I would go months. I would go like three months without hearing anything about the adoption from anyone from anybody
1: that's insane
2: Like the agency couldn't tell us and you know anyway when you're living in that environment you're like every minute like counts because you know and anyway so and we didn't have money for james to come back like we were like where do we draw the line like we've been living apart for months like we're both struggling but like we're staying strong and like we're doing what we need to do as strong as a zombie can be (laughs) James was just, yeah, kind of, he says he was like a zombie working, you know, and just Mm -hmm. working as hard as he could to stay busy and everything. And, I mean, he said he couldn't even really sleep in our bed because it was too, like, sad and hard because I wasn't there.
1: Yeah, well, that's true. uh, I was just thinking about how hard it was for you, Kaylee. But, man, for you, James, to have to go home and not be with your daughter and your wife and just not hearing from them.
2: Right. Oh my
1: goodness. It was
3: yeah. It, it was bad.
2: And everyone. Bad. He's a he was working as a bartender at the time, and so everyone every day would pretty much come in and be like, "Are they home yet?" You know. Oh yeah. And you have people asking you like that. You're a regular. I saw you twice <laughs> earlier this
3: week.
2: If they were home, <laughs>
1: you would know. Right.
2: <laughs> you know, but when people are asking you, it's just like, uh, like you know, so it was, um, it was yeah, it was hard, but. Uh, and then we got a call from the Tim Tebow Foundation, and they said, we want to give you $8,000. No way. Wow. And, yeah, I, like, literally almost, like, fainted. I'm pretty sure <sighs> I found that out. I mean, I was, like, crying, and I'm, like, not an emotion. I was just, like, freaking out because I'm, like, thank you God. This means James can come back to Ghana. Okay. Because we still owe $10,000 to the adoption agency mm. at this time. And so, yeah, that 8000 went towards that, and then we had enough money and savings to pay the rest and for James to come back don't you feel like
1: when you're six weeks in Ghana turns into a year and a half they should just be like we're (laughs) gonna give you this one (laughs)
2: yeah (laughs) Yeah, so uh yeah he came back and we were reunited exactly six months um from when he left Ghana the the first time and uh
1: did you have to quit your job James or were you thinking that this was gonna be uh you were gonna be there a short amount of time
3: uh, we were months. thinking four months okay. would do it, yeah. but then I—I um, I mean, that's what I told my work, and I was like, "I'll be back in September."
2: Because yeah. we were calculating
3: Tuesday, July, August, September. Yeah, from I'll our be savings, back in September, that should, <laughs> that should
2: do it. We were calculating from our savings account that we could survive without him working for four months. Okay, but when the end of the four months came up, it was like, uh, "Not leaving
3: you." Yeah, it
2: was like, "No, there's no way we're gonna live apart again." Like. Yeah. And I was, like, super struck. Like, it was hard for me to leave the house. I was still dealing with the stuff that I was dealing with from when I was there by myself. And so it was, it was like, nope, not an option at that point. God's going to, he'll provide for us to stay together. He wants us to do this together.
3: Mm-hmm. So the conversation then went from, you know, when do I go back to what do we need to do to make sure that we can stay here as a family? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah.
2: So we had our online coffee company, Level Grounds, Espresso that we had slowly been growing, and we started that to raise money for the adoption. Hmm. And uh, so the coffee sales were helping support us and kind of covering some of our living expenses. Yeah, people would
3: buy a bag of coffee, and we would get, like, all of our meals for the day. So it was was that kind of exchange (laughs) rate. Well,
2: I mean, money, and money over there is worth, like, so much more than it is over here. So, like... Yeah, it, it was really helpful. And mm-hmm. then we just started, like, th- st- like we sold our car. Our friends helped us sell our car mm-hmm. to pretty much help pay for for rent. And we had uh, friends and family move us out of our house that we were living in. They moved all of our stuff into a storage unit, which is, like, so amazing that people would go move
3: us. But it was really hard because we had set everything up for Willa. We had her room. Mm-hmm. We had her bed. We had all of her clothes hung up.
2: Like and waiting. Then, like, <laughs> wow. See it. Yeah, but that's okay because we weren't meant to go back to the house. Yeah.
1: yeah. How crazy though that you you didn't get to say goodbye to your house or anything. You just
2: yeah. Other people would, are
1: doing this stuff. Wow.
2: Yeah, it was it was pretty amazing.
3: Pretty good group of friends. You know. <laughs>
0: All right, listeners, I know this seems cruel, but we're going to end the Wilson story right here for today. There's just so much to this story, I don't want to try to cram it into one episode. So there will be part two, but the good news is it will come out tomorrow morning, so you don't have to wait long. Tomorrow we're going to hear about how they ended up leaving Ghana, coming back to America, what that transition was like, how their coffee company is going now, and how this experience has affected them and changed their lives forever. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.